Welcome to this APTA podcast. Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I want to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. Uh, This is Alan Jetty. I'm Editor-in-Chief of PTJ. And today I'm very pleased to have as my guest, Dr. Heather Hayes. She's Associate Professor at the University of Utah in the Department of Physical Therapy and Athletic Training. And as well, she's a co-star fellow. So welcome, Dr. Hayes. Thank you, happy to be here. I really enjoyed your article that you and your colleagues wrote, the title of which for our listeners is Medicare Advantage Patterns of Discharge to an inpatient rehabilitation or skilled nursing facility for adults who had suffered a stroke. I'll give a little summary and then we can talk about your study. The study uses patient data on over 14,000 individuals, and the data comes from a company that manages post-acute care discharge placement. The authors looked at factors influencing discharge to either inpatient rehab or an ERF, or skilled nursing facility, SNF, of individuals following a stroke, and all of them were in the Medicare Advantage uh, plans. The results of the study show that individuals post-stroke are more likely to be discharged to a skilled nursing facility versus, say, inpatient rehab, and individuals discharged to the SNF were older, more likely to be female, living at home, or in assisted living and had comorbidities that impaired function and had a length of hospital stay greater than five days. There was substantial variation in discharge by payer group. Is that a fair summary? That is a fair summary, yes. Let's talk about Medicare Advantage first. You write in your article, it's a health insurance plan that's offered by private companies and it's approved by Medicare, and the intent is to manage the healthcare beneficiaries who are in the plan. And a primary goal is to arrange for appropriate post-acute care to best meet the needs of the person while reducing unnecessary post-acute care variation. So I guess my first question is, um, if you look at it nationally, how prevalent is the Medicare Advantage choice within the Medicare population? And is it equally um, taken advantage of in different regions of the country? So Medicare Advantage plans are becoming more prevalent. In 2022, approximately 48% of Medicare eligible beneficiaries chose to enroll in the MA plans. And we're seeing this number increase each year and it's projected in 2032 that 61% of Medicare eligible beneficiaries will be enrolled. So we're continuing to see this increase into Medicare Advantage. And when you ask this from a question about regional availability, there are currently 39 MA plans that individuals can choose from. And so just to kind of let the uh, listeners know, these are companies like United, Humana, Kaiser, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and then uh, several others. So When you think about enrolling in these plans, if you're in a rural area, for example, South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, they have a small enrollment because when we consider the larger 
uh, areas like Florida, Texas, California, they're going to have a lot more choices for where these plans can go to and who they're contracted with. So it is, I would say, a little bit biased towards urban areas because then you are can, provided, the companies can then network and contract with these larger hospitals where it's going to be easier to get your services. So right now, I would say it is very prevalent, probably more biased towards the more populated and dense areas with larger healthcare facilities. And it's actually growing as a proportion of the Medicare population. I didn't know that. Yes. Now, as, as a member of the Medicare population, I took great interest in this study because, you know, I also have a choice of whether or not I should enroll in Medicare Advantage. And you point out in the article that like the case with the uninsured and those on Medicaid, those with Medicare Advantage as compared to traditional Medicare are more likely to be discharged to a SNF as compared to an ERF, let's say post-stroke, which is the population you focused on here. Now, in my um, review of the literature and having done some work in this area, it Stroke is one of the few conditions where there's a clear benefit, at least my reading of the literature, there's a clear benefit going to an ERF as compared to a SNF. So as an individual in this population, what's, what's the advantage for me as an older individual to choose Medicare Advantage? Yes, I think that's, you know, that's a really important question. And I think we need to clarify the role of Medicare Advantage and what it is we're trying to do. And let's specifically look at this relationship of Nava Health, who is the company that my data was received from. So Medicare contracts with these Medicare Advantage companies, like let's just say Humana. Then Nava Health has been contracted with Humana to manage the post-acute care needs. Each of these layers, administrative layers, they are working to contract to get the best price and the best care, both value and cost. And so when we're dealing with that situation, you are not going to any skilled nursing facility or any inpatient rehab because they're not going to be created equal. So, you know, you have to do your homework just the same as you would in your traditional employer-based insurance plans. What am I getting? Who are we contracting with? How are those contracts going to affect me? It does seem that most likely you're going to go to a skilled nursing facility, but they're not contracting with any skilled nursing facility. They're contracting with skilled nursing facilities that should be, Nava Health specifically, providing the best care at the best cost. Okay. So if I have confidence in management organizations like Nava Health, there's a greater likelihood that I won't be at a disadvantage in terms of my outcome if I'm sent to a high-quality SNF as compared to a higher cost ERF. That is the ultimate long-term goal that uh, these Medicare um, Advantage plans are seeking to achieve. Now, that's not easy, right? We are still in the process of changing uh, what the expectations are and what these outcomes are and how do we pay for those outcomes. So we are still in the process of that, but that is the ultimate goal. And, and just for full disclosure to our listeners, I, I want to point out that... Um, We'll talk more about NavaHealth, but it is a company that I have uh, consulted with for many years now, so I'm very familiar with it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, NavaHealth and the population that you used in your study. As you point out in the article, NavaHealth manages post-acute care, 
in all 50 states, and it manages approximately 10 million members, about 36% of the overall Medicare Advantage population. So that's a good chunk of Medicare Advantage. Uh, how representative is their patient base as compared to the population of Medicare Advantage patients in the country? So, yes. Yeah. So if we consider that there's approximately 28 million members and Nava Health manages, if you come in, you have to, in order to get to Nava Health, you have to have those post-acute care needs and they manage 10 million, then that is around the, the 36%. What I assess was only six health plans in six states. And the reason is because that's where the contracts with both skilled nursing facilities and contracts with rehab, because in some places um, across the country, they only contract with skilled nursing. So I wanted to make sure that those contracts included that they were managing both the inpatient rehab and the skilled nursing. Um, and so I feel like they are um, one of the larger companies managing this post-acute care services. Okay. And do we know uh, how representative the 36% are of the total? Do you mean from a population like um, demographics? Yeah. yeah, I'm just curious. Is there a selection bias in the kinds of patients that end up in the Nava Health databases compared to the overall Medicare Advantage population? We may not have data on it, but yeah. I'm just if, if I'm not sure that I would be able to answer that. Most of these came from the East Coast and South. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. so mm -hmm. listeners should keep that in mind. Okay. Let's talk specifically about some of your um, your hypotheses. You hypothesize that external factors such as insurance plan and insurance policies would have a greater relationship with discharge placement than with demographic or clinical factors. What led you to make that hypothesis? So it is funny to think that that was a hypothesis, but it was driven really by, at the time that I, that I proposed this project from the perception of how MA plans are managing healthcare with this goal to reduce healthcare costs. And therefore it seemed that they were really gonna work on this financial incentive for the payers. So therefore skilled nursing facility is um, almost half the prices of inpatient rehab. And then if you talk to clinicians, they are often like, oh yeah, if they have Medicare Advantage, we're not even gonna try to send them to a rehab. And because of the way that they're just automatically gonna go to a skilled nursing. And so there's this bias in healthcare as well. And as you know, many of the headlines that you read are saying that insurers are being denied authorizations with MA plans. And you really have to understand the denials and what that process is. It's not that you're automatically not gonna be able to go to a skilled nursing facility, is that you have to say that I'm gonna to go to a rehab facility to the MA plan, the medical director of that region then makes the ultimate decision based on the chart notes. And so this is one of the things that I found is that there was this variation from payers across the United States. So those medical directors follow slightly different understanding of the guidelines. What does somebody need to go to a rehab? And this is what you find across the United States, whether you're a clinician or you're the medical director of, of a Medicare Advantage plan. So these are, um, the, one of the challenges that I'm interested in is it needs to be a little bit more concrete of who's gonna benefit and when and how, and what are those characteristics? Um, it's no longer a choice of rehab versus skilled nursing. I see it as a choice of what's the best patient because some patients do need skilled nursing facility and who's really truly gonna benefit and what's the long-term outcomes for these patients. 
Now, that would lead me to suspect that you would like to see clinical factors driving these placements more than regional or payer factors. That would but, be fantastic. <laughs> right. But, but that, in fact, is not what you found. That's right. Yes. And what I found is the same as what traditional Medicare has found, is that the older um, women who live at, who were living at home alone were more likely to go to a skilled nursing. And I think that's not a surprising finding because it seems like those people may not have the better long-term outcomes, but that's not always true either. Yeah. So, you know, there's something else that's going on in this decision-making. And there's a lot of individual um, perceptions of who should go where. I mean, we always typically think that, yes, the younger people, no matter what, need to go to a rehab, but they also may not be the best candidate for a rehab first, you know, so it's not this, um, it's not as simple as we think it should be. Now, given the geographic variation and the variation by payer that you found, is, is it fair to conclude that it, it suggests that Medicare Advantage is not delivering on what it had tried to promise uh, in, in its creation to reduce the uh, unwanted variation due to geography and payer and focus more on other factors? Is that fair or am I being unfair to Medicare Advantage? <laughs> Um, I think it's an excellent question. And really what we're talking here, you know, these two ideas of spending and then geographic variation that we wanted that the whole initiation of the impact act was to get those uh, variables changed, but it's not gonna happen overnight. Um, you know, Nava Health has focused on improving the quality of these post-acute care services. And that, you know, in one way that means that we need to move into skilled nursing facilities because they do seem to be cheaper, but if your standards are higher and we get you out of there quicker and can provide the same care, then that's one of the issues, but we're, that's not going to change overnight. So there's a, there's, you have to change the system and then uh, for spending and the quality that you're going to get. And then when we come to the other challenge of regional variation, um, I, I cannot say exactly um, across the United States, that regional variation. So why was it, for example, that it appeared that my Southern sites had a little, seemed to have higher referral to a skilled nursing facility? There, there's gonna be a lot of other factors that come into that demographic variables, potentially that we really need to investigate more. And it, it's not gonna be a simple fix to change those. Yeah, well, that's fair. Um, is it correct in my reading of your article that Patients who were uh, in an HMO or a PPO did not, that was not related to discharge placement into an earth or a skilled nursing facility? Yes, I was surprised by that finding as well. But after understanding the details of how these MA plans work, uh, it really just turns out that these contracted sites compared to whether it's an HMO health maintenance or preferred provider, they're still going to send them to their preferred contracts and the contracted sites. So I think that's not the larger factor um, that was driving this decision. And it did surprise me a little bit, um, but that would probably be the nature of, of most HMOs and PPOs, that those would not be different in who they're contracting with. Are you looking at the bottom line in terms of outcomes for these patients? Is that something you're doing in subsequent work? Yes. So um, the second piece of this, uh, I hope to come out in this year, is looking at uh, after I match the subjects who went to rehab versus skilled nursing with MA plans, I'm looking at 
readmissions function, mortality, and community discharge. Kind of those factors that we consider to be potentially better when one goes to a rehab versus a skilled nursing. Yeah, that will speak to some of the questions that I've raised uh, in our discussion today. Yeah. Um, are you doing it for stroke patients or are you doing it beyond stroke? So right now, uh, my primary interest has been in stroke and that's who this population is, it's ischemic stroke. And have, have you looked at other patient populations in terms of the variation as well as the outcomes? Or is your, your focus really on those who have suffered a stroke? My focus is stroke, but I think uh, there can be some really interesting information coming out when we're talking about the other major populations that come into those two sites with facilities. Well, Dr. Hayes, I have to say, I was really pleased to see that as a CoStar fellow, you began working with such rich uh, data, such as what the Nava Health Company has. I know it's not easy to do that. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of challenges uh, and hurdles to overcome. But, you know, questions such as the ones you're looking at are extremely important. So I congratulate you on this work. Uh, it's very well done. Oh, thank you. And thank you for taking the time to talk about it with me. Oh, my pleasure. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.